Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for watching. Today, I'm going to brag a little bit. Something I don't often do. Well, I probably do. I try just try to hide it. Um, but I want to talk about all the different books. I think there's a cool way to kind of introduce myself, let you guys know what I write, why I write it, how it's affected me. I even put my books in order when I wrote them. And I could also tell you a little bit about what I was going through. Some of those points, you know, went through a couple of depressions, different things like that, where I almost shut everything down, almost gave it all up. There's so many times where I just wanted to quit. And then at the very end of the episode, I will read another chapter from Try Not to Die at Death Fest. Last week, it got a little bit long. I was tired, and so I cut it halfway through. So we'll finish that. I'll read one of the death scenes for you as well. So let's get to it. All right, so I started calling myself an author, putting out my first book 11 years ago. I had just written Brightside, worked with Tom Spanbauer, rewrote it, and it is about a bunch of telepaths that are rounded up by the government, put in a small town, beautiful place, beautiful mountain town, and this Joe's 100th day there. He doesn't want to uh, be there. He can't handle it, and he needs to escape. So that is all about him trying to escape. The German version of that is currently being uh, looked at as a possible movie. Who knows whether or not it will happen. If it does, that's super cool. If not, no big deal. Uh, I've always seen it as a movie. Um, but yeah, that's what got me started. Pretty dark. Not horror, but some horrific stuff in it. Definitely a couple of triggers or suicide in there and some other stuff, but I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed it. Still one of my favorite books. When there's someone at a convention, they don't know what kind of books they really like. I'll generally tell them to read the first couple pages of that. Uh, actually, the first page. If they turn the page, then I know I have them hooked because either you're going to like it a lot or you're going to think it sucks, So, which is what I would want. The very next year, I put out Try Not to Die at Grandma's House. This is a new cover. The original actually had illustrations in there by my buddy Martin Kelly, tattoo artist. We got rid of the illustrations, changed the cover up. But this was my first Try Not to Die. I didn't take it too seriously. I didn't know I was going to turn it into a series. I thought it was just going to be a one-time thing, kind of fun. But in this, every choice that you choose wrong on the decision points, you die. So that's what made it fun for, fun for me. I used to love Choose Your Own Adventures as a kid, and that is why I started writing them. But yeah, so that was right after Brightside. Meanwhile, I was working on 25 Perfect Days. This is the 25 Perfect Days plus five more, so it has 30 stories. They're all interconnected. This is dystopian. Most of these stories started out as horror stories. I was selling them before I launched Brightside, I was still writing. I was writing a lot. I was writing a lot of short stories. Several of these short stories, I reworked for 25 Perfect Days. My wife suggested that I combine all these stories into one world. That was such a good suggestion. I took that and ran with it, made up, I don't know how many other stories, maybe 10, 12, 14 to fill out the all 30. So this one was a lot of fun. I made a short little film five minutes alone. That's the first story in this book. Let's see. After that, I came out with Twisted Reunion. This is probably my favorite collection of short stories that I have. 28 horror stories. Again, these were similar to 25 Perfect Days, where I repurposed stories. 
I think about half of these stories had been already published in small magazines, stuff like that. I reworked them. I couldn't stand seeing the original versions, even though they'd only been out for a couple of years. I reworked them into this, had a great time with it. And that's still the, probably the highest, well, it's the most ratings I have out of any book. I think it's 450 or so and has a positive rating. People seem to like it a lot. So while I was putting out Twisted Reunion and the other books, I was also going around the country interviewing fighters for Unlocking the Cage, which is nonfiction. I went to 100 gyms in 23 states, interviewed 340 fighters, maybe another 60 coaches or so to try to understand who fighters are, MMA fighters, and why they fight. I could never understand why I fought. I was terrible at it. I tried fighting after playing football at Brown. Uh, I'd done some kickboxing before, but when I came back, got into bodyguarding, started learning more self-defense, realizing jiu-jitsu is pretty cool. I like to grapple, and I just threw myself into fighting, even though I wasn't any good at it. Could never understand why I would continue putting time, money, effort into it when I wasn't successful. Also went and did uh, professional boxing. Again, terrible fucking idea. But this book was awesome because not only did I learn about all these other martial artists, but I learned about myself and my reasons for fighting. So that was pretty big. Connected with so many people, became friends with so many people. It was amazing to see what these fighters were like. And when I started it, I again, I had so much self-doubt, not only in my ability to be an author, but I was like, I've never written nonfiction in my life. I don't know anything about nonfiction. I had never done an interview in my life, especially anything official. And I didn't even know how to use my camera. All I had all these reasons for not doing it, but I went and I was incredibly out of shape. I don't know. I was probably like 250 pounds. I'd been a stay-at-home dad, hadn't been doing shit, hadn't been exercising. It'd been a long time since I had trained. I think I was probably 42 at the time. And uh, yeah, my wife and I thought it was worth trying. We sent me on a three-week trip. So I went to the East Coast, not knowing if I was going to continue the project. But after I did my first set of interviews, I was hooked. And then they just sent me to the next place, the next place, the next place. Oh, you should go talk to my buddies over here. Oh, go talk to these guys. So by the time I was done with it, I went to so many different gyms around the country, you know, gyms that were in rich areas and poor areas, saw all kinds of fighters, interviewed champions, interviewed guys that were just about to fight or just had their first fight, uh, guys that were successful, guys that were not successful. So that was, yeah, it was a cool experience. But when I released this book, right before I did it, I went through a pretty bad depression where I actually cut, I stopped completely my other podcast. I was about 200 episodes in, I think, or no, to me it's only 100. It was about 113 episodes in. And uh, yeah, I, I shut that down. I had been doing it every week. But yeah, I just went to this bad depression. I didn't la even launch the book. I put it out, but I did no social media. I had no presence at all. Yeah, so that's not a good thing to do if you're an independent author, which I am. From there, I also put out uh, these five stories in Somber Scroll. Those are horror stories. Meanwhile, I had been working on this book. Ain't no Messiah. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ must die again. Yeah, we all know that saying, right? This one was a lot of fun, a lot of work. And yeah, I really enjoy it. I think people that want a tougher read, a challenging, not a challenging read, but 
I don't know. A lot of people get triggered by it because of the religious subject matter, but deal with it. It's about this guy. It starts off with this man, Joshua, who's on top of the biggest church in the world. The entire world is watching him and voting on whether or not he needs to kill himself in order to save the world. So it gets a little bit perverted, a little bit dirty, a little bit, a little bit sad, but it's the first book in a five book series. The only problem is I have not been working on book two, which is already halfway done. It's been sitting there forever. But that is because I went back into Try Not to Die. This is Try Not to Die on Brightside, which I wrote with my friend Donna Gonzalez, a badass black belt. Um, she helped create this awesome character in Becky, 16-year-old who does jiu-jitsu. She is in the same place as Joe. Uh, this takes place on day 100, the day of the escape. And it is her trying to survive. So again, every couple of pages, you have to choose what happens. If you choose wrong, you die, which is the best part of it. From there, that fueled Beyond Brightside, the sequel to Brightside, continues the Try Not to Die in Brightside story. And fix my screen. It continues that story. Pretty, uh, it, I think it takes place in LA. A lot of violence, uh, much more action than the original. I had a lot of fun with it, but I then went on to put out Try Not to Die in the Pandemic with John Palisano. We started that writing that right when the pandemic hit. We didn't know it was going to last so long, be such a big thing, but we put out that book. This isn't so much about a sickness. It is about a sickness causing this boat to be stuck at sea. Domestic terrorists take it over, these newfangled pirates, and try to kill our characters. So... It is more of like a diehard on a cruise ship. From there, I put out Untold Mayhem. These are 24 tales of madmen, monsters, and misery. So yeah, horror is definitely my base. It's what I enjoy. I can't imagine writing a happy story. Why the fuck would you write a happy story? Like, no, there's so much death in this world. Let's embrace that. But anyhow, that's Untold Mayhem in, I think, 2020 i wrote i released a tbi or cte or actually 2021 what the hell is wrong with me so in this book i had to look at the brain damage i did through football fighting reckless lifestyle smoking weed since i was 15 just everything i thought i was fine but it turned out i definitely wasn't definitely had a lot of issues but thankfully i did this because if i had not i would have been dead i would have killed myself, killed someone else. It would not have been good. I was headed in the wrong direction. I didn't know why. I thought it was normal. But once I started repairing my brain, once I started doing better, then that's what I was like, oh shit, thank God I did this. And this is a book that I tell everyone about, especially because of how much it's helped my entire family. Some of the techniques in here, some of the therapies, especially neurofeedback, all of the members of my family have done. It's helped my daughter, my son, my mother. It helped her so much. Her sleep had been terrible for years and it really made a huge difference. And now she's no longer, she had tested pre-dementia after the neurofeedback. She didn't. So for me, that is huge. After that, we had Try Not to Die in the Wizard's Tower. My buddy, Michael Sage Ricci, did an amazing job with this. He is the one who wrote it. He is... I think he has 30 plus years as a dungeon master. He loves playing D&D. He's an incredible tattoo artist. And he did a ton of illustrations inside this thing. It's the only book that is currently illustrated. But if you're into fantasy, 
Dungeons and Dragons. I think you'll love this. This one, there are more choices and a little bit more thought involved in it. Right after that one, we put out John Palisano came out with his second Try Not to Die. This one is Try Not to Die in the Wild West. Again, there are more than two dozen ways to die. Just one correct path do you have what it takes to survive. So, yeah, if you pick wrong, you die. There's some brutal deaths in there. I know one of my buddies was saying, oh, I thought it was going to be, you know, like a little fun cowboy thing, you know, and, and not a big deal. Not that adult, but there are some adult scenes, a lot of violence. That's what we like. Trying to die at Ghostland. Did this with Duncan Ralston. His Ghostland trilogy is amazing. I love it. I think it's incredible. So I was blown away when he agreed to write a Trinus to Die set in it. This is the same opening day. That's like Jurassic Park, but with ghosts. All the ghosts get out, start killing everyone. And it is about this girl that is trying to survive with, along with her friends. And that was, both of these were 2023, this year. So the Wild West, Trinus to Die in Ghostland. Came out with a little uh, Trans Die in a Hellhole by John Palisano. Super short thing, 99 cents on Kindle. It's an alternate ending short story, two endings on that one. Then one of my favorites, Try Not to Die at Death Fest. There are 15 bands at, that play at Death Fest. I uh, wrote this with Glenn Heaton. Awesome book. I would say, you know, I'm obviously biased. But I love metal. It was a ton of fun having all these death scenes occur at a metal concert. Now, what's really cool is the Death Fest confessions that we are releasing. I'm putting those out in English and German. Right now, the German versions are uh, number one in horror over Germany. And number three, might be number two right now. And I believe number eight or so. So those books are kicking ass. About to release book, the ebook four. There's all standalone stories, about 5,000 words. That one is by John Cohn from who wrote Slash Tag. So that'll be out next week. That's an awesome story as well. That's Fighting Fire with Fire. You can pick all those up. Uh, the other stories out now are Die Forever, B is for Brother, and Eat Me. Uh, two of those stories, Eat Me and Die Forever, are extreme horror, uh, graphic sexuality, graphic violence. If that's not your cup of tea, then skip those ones. But yeah, Death Fest was a lot of fun. Those Death Fest confessions were awesome. December, Christmas time, we are going to release the Death Fest confessions, the Devil's Playlist. That'll be the complete anthology of the 15 or 16 stories. I think I only need one more. I have to edit some more and uh, we'll be all done with that. So that will be coming out. Also just released Trend to Die back at Grandma's house. This is a... The sequel to Grandma's House, obviously, but it's quick, it's fast. It's the shortest Try Not to Die. I think it's only about 25,000 words. Did this with P.W. Foyts, and uh, yeah, it's fun. Only a dozen ways to die, but I think it's a lot harder because there are, I think, three choices, or just about three choices on every decision point. Coming next will be Try Not to Die at Slash Tech based off of John's book, Slash Tag, which I like. This was, this was one of my favorite reads of, if not the favorite read of 2023. It was definitely up there. So super cool to be doing that. I just got it from him last week. Again, this is kind of like the one that my buddy Sage did, where I am simply the editor. John didn't leave me anything to do. He already gave me a complete book. All I'm doing is putting my edit on it. I will give it back to him. He'll take changes reject them, and then we'll pass it on to another editor 
who will do a better job. And then we will have a finished book. And then right after that, originally this was going to be the December release, but I have not been able to be creative. This is trying to design a dark fairy tale. So that one, I still haven't written the dustings. I got to look at them when I flew to Germany. I was thinking about them. I was like, okay, yeah, we do want to do this and this. But because of doing all this work on the Death Best Confessions, having to you know, read them, even that, reading a couple of 5,000 word stories a week, plus trying to do other stuff, it's been a lot. It's totally zapped my creativity. So yeah, I'm going to have to wait until John's done. We'll do slash tag. I'll be done with that in a week or two. Then I'll jump on the dark fairy tale. Uh, so that'll probably be released, I don't know, maybe February or March. I'm not sure about the other books, but there are so many more that are coming. It's kind of crazy. Part of me, you know, is not ideal because, you know, I want to do the other five books, the other four books in the Messiah series. I have another book, Our Fucked Up Little Family. I wanted to put that out. There's a lot of other things. There's a trilogy that I have tattooed on my back. I have the cover of a book on my back, and I'm probably never going to write the fucking thing. So there's all that. But I also realize the importance of the Try Not to Die series. I think it is going to take off whenever I talk to people especially like new readers experience this a lot at the book fair in Germany. They just love the idea like, oh, I haven't seen those books in forever. It's been so long since I've seen that kind of book. Oh, I get to decide. Oh, and you die every time. So that, I don't know, people have a lot of fun with it. So that is why I am going to go ahead and put it in front of my other stuff. So yeah, I think it is worth it. All right, guys, let's get to story time because I'm just about done fucking talking. No, it's because I got up early today, like I get up every day to do jiu-jitsu. Although I didn't do jiu-jitsu early on Tuesday or Thursday. Train Tuesday night. Um, so yeah, I got in, I think, five training sessions so far since Sunday or six. And uh, we'll have off tomorrow. And then I'll train again on Sunday, open mat. Uh, today's practice was awesome. My wife actually went with me to jiu-jitsu at 6 a.m. Uh, the kids didn't have to go to school, so she didn't have to wake up early to help get them ready. Generally, she's doing that while I'm training. I rush home, and then I drive them to school. But today, we we're able just to train, do the whole class, and then after that, we actually got in a private. It was based off of what my wife wanted to work on, uh, but it's incredible how much she got from Coach Wes. She really loves his style. She loves Coach Art, too. And Coach Mike, we had a bunch of different black belts at our gym, which is incredible to have that kind of selection. But uh, today she was working with Coach Wes, helped her game immensely, and I learned a lot from it. And I got choked out over and over and over and over and over. So when it, by the time I got home, I was like, eh, I really don't feel like doing shit today. <sighs> All I have left to do today is write a, a newsletter. I'll put that out tomorrow morning and then I will finish reading Trends Diet slash tag on slash tag. But that's awesome. That's fun. I only have like 10 more pages of that and then I'll give John my notes and we'll get that going. But anyhow, let's do this. Let's do Try Not to Die at Death Fest, the original cover. That's what it looks like. You won't be able to buy it anymore. I think it is gone. All right, let's do this. So in the last scene that I was reading, uh, bump, bump, bump. all right, last scene I was reading, Kyle was talking, your buddy Kyle was talking to you about Luna, the girl that you like. He's super glad that you guys have hooked up or starting to hook up and you're about to go to your next show. So, all right, 
The middle of the vendor area where the three paths converge is packed with people flowing between stages. I take the lead and dodge the lines heading north for stage two. The song on the speaker ends. Remember to rehydrate and recycle, a woman's voice says all nice and pleasant. And rock on. Just wait a second, Jerry, Tess says. Kyle, go get some water. It's free, but you have to get your own. You're going to get heat stroke. Kyle shakes his head and steps into the shade of a merch booth selling key rings and other trinkets. No way. I warned you. Todd as hell and nothing beats free. What's up with him? I asked Tess. She points to a large tent in the middle of the vendor area. Inside, workers in baby blue are stationed at two tables facing opposite directions, handing out water bottles. He doesn't trust anything. I swear. Big Bad Farm is out to rule the world, don't you know? We get in the shortest line. Yeah, that's one of his favorites, I say. Pharmaceutical companies apparently do all sorts of horrible things. The poster behind the table reads, Ephesios, making our world better one person at a time. Ask him sometime to tell you about his theories on Kennedy or the Freemasons. Any of them true? Luna asks, seeming interested. Maybe a couple, but I doubt it. Pretty entertaining to listen to him ramble about them, though. We grab our bottles and head back to Kyle, the overhead speakers repeating the message about the three R's. A worker's emptying the bin beside Kyle, throwing the bag onto the back of a flatbed cart with a bunch of others. I've barely taken a sip and Tess is already done with hers, tossing that bottle into a recycle bin. Rehydrate and recycle, she says. Let's go. The crushing drums of Bone Rivet invite us to stage two. The band names on the banner still too small for us to read. Beer and food gardens line our left. On our right, tent selling CDs, insects, hemp, jewelry, and all kinds of crap. Up ahead is a dirty looking tent offering tattoos and a chance of hepatitis. Even the tent itself looks dirty compared to the clean, crisp vendor tents around it. A pair of bearded men stand out front trying to wave people in. They look like they might be homeless. We pass a few sketchy people who may or may not be selling drugs. At least I, now I know where I can go if I need to sneak off and score. Luna's hip bumps me. What you thinking about there, stud? Probably speed, Kyle says. I snap, shove Kyle so hard he nearly falls. Dude, what the hell? Kyle turns on me, eyes blazing with anger. What, you think they don't know? Everybody knows, Jerry. You've been strung out half the time since September. It's obvious. What's obvious is you should keep your goddamn mouth shut. I storm off the way we came, not knowing where I'm headed, just knowing I need to get away. Hold up, Luna says, jogging after me. She grabs my hand, walks me to the side of the path by the Chinese food truck. Kyle told me about your dad. Not surprising. Seems like he's big on sharing. Look, I'm not judging Jerry, she says, keeping her voice soft. It's just that when he died, it's natural to get a little crazy when things like that happen. But just don't get high today, okay? I'm really not into it. I feel like a piece of shit. But I'm glad Luna's giving me a chance. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. Don't apologize. It's just sobriety really sucks sometimes. Well, you don't have to be sober all the time, Luna says. You can still get drunk or stoned. Just do not do just do everything with moderation. I know she's right and say fine. Can we talk about something else? Yeah, of course. She offers her hand. You ready to rock? I'm still pissed at Kyle, but with her hand in mine, I can let it go. He's just trying to help after all. Hell, if it weren't for him and my music, I'm not so sure I'd still be in school. Tess and Kyle are waiting for us at the end of the vendor tents, past a large barbecue pit that smells amazing. The smoke stings my eyes, but it gives me an excuse for the tear rolling down my cheek.
All right, Luna says, breaking ice. What's the plan? Tess jumps off the table and points at the stage two banner. Bone rivet, sex, Mary Jane's mother, blue tranker, flamethrower. The only band I care about here is sex, Tess says. Luna wants to see them too, so I keep to myself that the band is radio station lame. The song ends with a roar from the crowd. Beer than bone rivet. That's where I'm headed, Kyle says, not bothering to look my way. You guys can meet up with me after. I really want to check out the suspension tent, Luna says, nodding at the huge setup in the open field between us and stage one. I'm okay with bone rivet, but I want to eat first, Tess says. Let's grab a quick bite. That Chinese smelled delicious. What do you say, Jerry? Luna asks. Do you like Chinese? Yeah, it's good, she says. Maybe not my favorite, but I like variety. You know, same here. I don't know what the best call is. Kyle might want to be on his own for a bit, and I'm getting hungry. More than anything, I want to be close to Luna, but I hate needles and don't want her to see me all squeamish. All right, guys. So you have a decision to make. You can check out the suspension tent with Luna. You can go with the girls to get Chinese food, or you can get a beer and watch Bone Rivet with Kyle. So what would you do? Check out the suspension tent with Luna. Go with the girls to get some Chinese food. Oh, or get a beer and watch Bone Rivet with Kyle. All right. I'm going to say you should probably get some Chinese food because you're starving. And I don't know. I just think that's a, probably a cool decision. Drinking beer sounds like it's uh, hazardous, might get you killed. So let's go with a safe choice. Go get some Chinese food. All right. Last thing I want to do is hang out with Kyle, and I'd probably puke all over Luna if we watched the suspension show. I'm starving, I tell them. Chinese sounds excellent right about now. Whatever, Kyle says and walks away. Luna takes my hand, helping me forget I'm still kind of pissed. Chinese it is, she says, leading us to the truck. This is my kind of menu. Only six items to choose from, a huge number sign next to pictures of each one. Ooh, Luna says, roasted duck. Tess wants the Kung Pao chicken. The sweet and sour pork is calling my name. Luna places the order with a chubby-cheeked Hispanic working the window, his face dripping with sweat. He tells her it's 45 bucks. I got it, I say, handing the guy my debit card. He runs it and slides it back at me, making it fall to the dirt. Nice try. I pick up the card. What? Nice try, he says, real slow like I'm stupid. It's declined. It can't be. I say, wondering if I charged something when I was drunk last night. Rerun it. It's fine, Jerry, Luna says, handing over her card. No, it's not, I say, hating the worker's grin. This guy's just an idiot. Jerry, Luna says. Screw you, broke boy, the worker says, brave behind his window. I can't control the anger flowing through me, and I flip him off with both hands. You fat fuck. That's the guy's trigger. His eyes go wide. Nostrils flare. What'd you say? You heard me, bitch. I say, barely aware that Luna and Tess are walking away. I got something for your ass, he says, moving away from the window. I get closer to the window, his back to me as he slides on a thick pair of heat-resistant gloves. You ain't doing shit, loser. He spins back to the window with a silver tray, a cloud of steam coming off of it. Here you go, he says, tipping the tray and tossing the burning oil on my face, my hands, my chest. I shriek from the pain, my world going black. Try again on page 59. All right, you guys fucked up. You guys killed the character. Terrible decision, but you still have another chance to die. I'm not going to read it, though, because, like I said, 
I got stuff to do. I want to go, yeah, go enjoy the family, go have fun, eat some lunch, all that good stuff. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you later. Peace.